Yo. All right. We're yo. Good. Yo to the O. It's your boy DJ Tom Hanks. Yo, and, this is at Tony Westside. And but for reference, you can just call me Tony on the show. <laughs> yeah. In case anybody's wondering, my real name is Matt uh, <laughs> Capazzoli. It's, uh, you know, but you can just call me DJ Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can. To, well, this time we have you a really probably call me Matt. <laughs> yeah, we'll go, we'll go with Matt, and then uh, well, this episode is a pretty significant one, I'll say, because we have a featured guest on who yeah. is uh, running for Senate against uh, Ted Cruz. At least he is going to in twenty twenty four, and uh, he's American a Idol finalist. American Idol finalist, and I don't know if I'd call him a Marxist professor, but he's definitely got some material analysis in his his quiver. Yep. Uh, probably should have asked him that. But yeah, man, it was a good interview. We had like a long discussion about the uh, statue destroying craze sweeping the country. He went ahead and gave us uh, some historical analysis and gave us a breakdown of the, some of the founding fathers. And uh, some compelling takes on why Hamilton is actually the most important piece of art of our generation. Cat. <laughs> nah, of course he didn't do that. Nah. <laughs> Just, you know, more of the same lib bashing, glee, gleeful lib bashing, Hamilton praise for a bunch of slave owners. Yeah, Um, yeah, man, that was a good conversation about that. Um, We didn't really go into um, some of the other stuff, but uh, he seemed like he was uh, didn't want to commit too strongly on one side or the other about um, our plan to dump a vat of acid on Stone Mountain and (laughs) Mount Rushmore. But I get, you know, that's fine. He's a politician now, right? So. Yes. Have to, yeah, you have to have some kind of um, what do you call it? Uh, decorum, right? Yeah. You have to have some kind of decorum when you're running for office. And you know, yes. and uh, just uh, for a point, you know, just uh, Savion had made a point on uh, Twitter about how Twitter's lashing out against a lot of black progressives like him, and he's actually had to go through a couple of accounts because of random bullshit that the Twitter's citing him for. Yeah. You know, so but sounds like exactly something that Twitter would do. <laughs> yep. But I don't think they're gonna be able to keep a dude like Savion from having <laughs> having a voice very long and uh he um Do you have a check mark? No, nah, I mean they're gonna end up having a blue check mark him once he goes up and runs against uh Cruz and is officially uh starts his campaign and all. Um but yeah, man, interesting guy. He uh you know, had a lot to say. And then, um, you know, I think I'm probably going to split this up into two episodes, obviously, because it's a long conversation. But yeah, we were, uh, it's true. We went really dig old, uh, Joe Rogan on this one. Yeah, dude. Um, like you won't notice that because I'll make it two clean episodes that are just like well, seamless. And I think in the second half, we're going to go more into sort of his personal story, why he got involved in politics and what he hopes to accomplish. And mm-hmm. we had a um, decent conversation about the, um, you know, Bernie postmortem as well. Um, yes. And, and his analysis about what went wrong exactly. Mm-hmm. Which like, you know, it's really hard to say in hindsight, but a lot of things, you know, do make sense if you 
if yeah, you look I at mean, them from that way. You needed more field organizers everywhere, right? It was just I the, think so. I mean, you probably you organizers mean, in California and Iowa, but, basically. Right. I mean, but you know, the the yeah. knock that the knock on Bernie that Savion brought up was the knock on him on Bernie to begin with, and. I mean, when things play out the way they play out, it's kind of hard to go ahead and say that, no, that wasn't the factor. No. I mean, I think it was in South Carolina, but I think, you know, the the things we saw with the black vote are the things we saw with the white vote. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the age divide and it's – I mean, you did see that across – factors coming in. Yeah, you did see that across the board. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. I think you could say it's probably – cable news right a lot of the times right uh-huh. i think the crowd who was so opposed to bernie enough to you know vote for a guy like joe biden was the crowd that watches cable news and trusts the establishment and you know thinks the believes Democrats. in things like endorsements a lot more than exactly yeah they believe in like party politics right like they yep. they associate themselves with being democrats and i think bernie's position is sort of you know a counter anti-establishment yeah just not embracing the you know the democrat label as much um caused a lot of problems with the older vote and especially the older black vote um it just mm-hmm. i don't know <clears throat> i don't know if we were ever going to be able to do anything better in south carolina and again like i think south carolina was important but i think it was still recoverable if bloody monday hadn't happened you know i think yeah but you know to the it, but yeah, you know, if uh, South Carolina had maybe gone a little bit better for us, I do think that the impact of Bloody Monday probably would have been minimized, at least. I mean, yeah, nice yeah. to think about. Yeah, but, like, but you know, we can we could probably Monday morning quarterback the whole campaign from top to bottom. I, mean. I don't know why they didn't have more field organizers on the ground everywhere, like. Mm-hmm. that's the criticism I've seen from the staff, right? Like the right. people, you know, but you know, and the other thing that, that we haven't really <laughs> talked about on this show too much is you had some Benedict Arnold's just to go ahead and use a history, the history reference uh, within Bernie's campaign that I think were trying to undermine the thing. Yeah. I think a lot of them didn't like the, uh, didn't like the, um, the road they were seeing in front of them with having to do a campaign in the middle of coronavirus. Like, well, just from being a mod on the channels, <clears throat> I can tell you that the enthusiasm certainly fell off when it became a digital only campaign, right? Like, right. there was definitely less volunteer involvement, and it's just so much of the grassroots energy is doing sucked rallies. Out. I mean, it, it has to be sucked out the window when, when, you know, you see the pandemic looming and you see the numbers skyrocketing. Exactly. And it's just like they don't want to beleaguer it because I think Bernie was really wanted to get involved with, you know, the stimulus bills, you know, if you could yeah. call it that. And I think he, you know, the writing was on the you wall. Know, they the weren't one, going to let him win. Well, know? I mean, like the, the one thing I will say, though, about Bernie and the way things have played out in the country since is if there was ever a person with a policy platform that was built for the moment it was bernie yeah and everything that they don't give a fuck though man no they don't they don't care at all they're doing exactly what they want to do 
But, you know, if we would be going ahead with a President Sanders, I would feel a lot more certain about the way this is going to go in the next year. But I have minimal confidence that Biden is going to handle this situation any better than Trump. Really? No, well, I mean, Trump's just making it actively worse. Like Biden will make it worse, too, but slower. You know? I mean, I don't know what he's not like under Biden. You're not going to get any of the of the stimulus packages that you'd get under Bernie, no, first of all. Of and not. that's what you but need. And he's not going to do tax cuts in the at the same time, though. Is right. The problem. Trump's not like he's making it worse rapidly, mm-hmm. whereas like Biden will also be making it worse because he won't do anything to change to reverse the trends. But like he's not going to use it as an opportunity mm-hmm. to give more money to, you know, oligarchs. Right. Yeah, I think hopefully. I mean, sure he would, just maybe not as much as the GOP does when they're. I mean, the only thing, like the only thing I'm gonna say from Biden is he's gonna come out and he's gonna tell everybody to wear a damn mask. That's that's about that's about all I'm gonna be able to go ahead and say from the if he ends up being the next president. That's literally what so many people are making up their mind though. You see him on Twitter saying as much, right? Like. That's the bar they've set. Like you saw with the resistance stuff, like Carl Rove and um, Dick Cheney. You know, Dick Cheney's in the resistance because he wears a mask. You know, like that's the bar. Janine, was it, what's your name? Janine Perrero. Yeah. Same thing. Um, and then, but you still had the MAGA idiots going on there and cussing her out. I saw today somebody had something because Trump finally wore the mask today. Yeah, so I saw did. Yeah, did. there was on, you know, all these people, somebody had gone and like taken screenshots of their tweets from a few weeks ago where they were like, I ain't never wearing no goddamn communist mask. <laughs> and then from today being like, I'm going to buy one of those. Where can I buy that mask, Mr. <laughs> President? You look like a badass in it. Like, yeah, just I, I'm I sure mean, it, 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 I mean like it's just a, it's just, you know, it's just object um, idolatry almost at that point it's like yeah. a full you know at that point it's a full-on cold as soon as he i mean i wonder how many people are gonna go out and start wearing masks because they saw him wear one i mean hopefully a lot like yeah have your has your curve start to bend down there yet hell no it's skyrocketing it's getting worse damn what are they doing yeah. about it anything no, well, I mean the the governor's trying to scale back some of the shit, but I mean, look, okay, just to just to give you a number of where our situation is, uh, my girlfriend, you know, she uh, uh, like I keep saying, you know, she works in the health department. Uh, they said they're about, uh, they went from being about 700 cases behind to being 1,400 cases behind to being 9,000 cases behind. Damn, nine. So they got to contact trace 9,000 people. Yeah. That's why – why don't they fucking hire people? That's what – it's so crazy. It's like all these people are out of work and they need jobs. Well, this, this is what is they're doing system. because like, this is what they're having. They're having on this crazy-ass schedule where they're having to work 12 hours a day, five okay. days a week. But they should have millions of people doing this job like other successful non-failed state countries do. You know, like – that's what you do when you have a pandemic. You hire people to contact trace, especially so, when it's out of people out of work. It's just well, like, what they're doing is they're reassigning people from other departments in the city to go ahead and act as case investigators and uh, contact tracers and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, yeah. but like just to give you an idea how things were, uh, just yesterday we had 353 new cases just in El Paso alone, 
and uh, the total number now is 9,099. So, like, the number I was giving you about the being so many cases behind involves the contract tracing from the people that are confirmed to have had it to go ahead and uh, extradite that out into who has they been in contact with and who do they need to contact. And, uh, you know, when I was speaking with her and everything, um, the way it looked is from her from her observation, there's no point in going ahead and contact trace anymore because so many people fucking have it already. Oh, so that's what they're doing then? No, that she's she thinks that that's a that's a waste of resources at this point because it's just so extensive. So it you just give up on the contact tracing, yeah. And you just tell everybody to quarantine. Yeah, tell everybody. I mean, to quarantine and isolate because the contact tracing right now it's not it, it's the numbers are too high. Um, so we're fucked then. This is gonna we're gonna go till herd immunity. Well, well, I mean, Texas is is fucked. Florida's probably fucked. Arizona's probably fucked. Y'all are probably gonna be better off out there. At least it's you got some. It's kick up here a little bit. I mean, <laughs> state, not Illinois. Like, you know, that's the thing people have been trying to argue online about the protests causing the spikes and all. And it's like, no, you can't not. find that. That evidence is nowhere to be found. Like the cases were taking up in the state, and they're pretty stable in the city. Just in the last few days, there's been a few in the city, but like, well, you know. Well, we had a well statewide. We had eight thousand three hundred and eighty-nine new cases just yesterday. Damn, man. Yeah, hospitals so, are overrun. Yeah, my mom. Well, at her, the hospital that she works at, it's overrun at this point. They're having to double up, and they're having to bring in contract nurses to fill up the staffing positions because they're just so short-handed. So, I mean, the resources are getting scared, uh, scarce out there. And um, people are, are uh, they're still not, I, I mean, I still don't think it's hit for a lot of people. I still don't think that they're out there doing what they need to do. And I think you still see a bunch of Karens, especially out there, resisting going and doing the right thing, wearing masks and uh, social distancing and avoiding going out. But... Um, yeah, you see a new psycho every day yelling about masks. Hopefully, maybe this Trump thing will help, though. I, I mean, yeah. I can see it. At least Fox News probably won't highlight it as much. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, you need you need everybody up on Fox News talking about how they got to wear the mask. You still got holdouts like Tucker Carlson. And, I mean, uh, Laura Ingram, even I think even Hannity said wear a damn mask. And not many times I'm going to be on the same page as Sean Hannity, but because it's not it's not an issue. It's not a debate. Yes, right. I mean that's the thing. The, this is this is a thing that common knowledge, right? I mean, this is a thing that's been politicized, and there's no reason it should have been politicized. This is not a political issue. And then you you see people out there talking like uh, just just because I don't have the same beliefs as you do. I'm like, what are you talking about? This isn't a belief. This isn't some kind of ideology. It's a mask that's preventing the spread of. Um, of the worst modern part pandemic since the Spanish flu. Yeah, it's uh, you know, you know but yeah, shit show. But yep, that's exactly where it is. But this is not gonna be a shit show. We got a great two parter for everybody. Oh yeah, man, this is gonna be a sick interview. Yeah, yep. Savion's a good dude. He's so everybody go ahead and uh, tune into this episode. And uh, you'll catch everybody's takes and uh, think you're all going to enjoy it.
Take the takes. You receive the takes. Take the takes up your take hole. Looks like we're on. All right. So uh, we figured with all the, uh, you know, historical analysis going on out there, we should probably uh, bring in somebody a little more qualified to yes. uh, And it is uh, the season. We're a week removed from the 4th of July, which, you know, is a time of historical significance. And you had a lot of people going crazy over Disney Plus putting Hamilton out there for everybody to watch. Yeah. So everybody's kind of in a in a mood to go ahead and and talk about the founding fathers. So yes, we so brought we can, in somebody much more qualified than ourselves to go ahead and discuss uh, the the way they're perceived and how we probably should look at them, I guess, through a modern kind of perspective. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, yes, we're very pleased to present that we have uh, Savion Wright, who is a college. Uh, professor of history and a democratic uh, committeeman who represented uh, Senate District 5 over here in Texas. And uh, he, along with myself, uh, helped put together uh, the, I would say, the most progressive platform in Texas history. Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't wouldn't even, I would go far to say probably out of any state, history of any state, probably. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I would probably put it up against any any state. I mean, we, and you I did... I would put it up against California. Like, that's yeah. in New York. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I've definitely seen it's, like, trending that direction, though. I've, like, Texas, and I saw other articles about Bernie delegates having a heavy hand in the state platform committees. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, well, and good trend, at least. I, honestly, Bernie, Bernie would have won Texas. I'll, I'll just, I'll start with definitely. that. But I, I'll, I'll end there. <laughs> Bernie, Bernie definitely would have won Texas. Yeah, I mean, he probably would have won a few states if it wasn't for Obama making a phone call and and setting up Bloody Monday the way it went down. He would have won yeah. Texas if somebody had dropped out of the race and everybody else did. Yeah, and, even if and, even if Warren would have dropped out. That's it. Last minute, you know, like uh. <laughs> Like a guy who ran against Ted Cruz in 2018. But like, so, honestly, I think we yes, could have understood all that, though. If yeah, Warren I mean, had just dropped out, we would have been fine. They could have the yeah, centrist even, could even have done with, that, and yeah, we would have been fine. Um, like, we still would have been fine, I think. Right. I mean, even with my uh, former representative, uh, Mr. O'Rourke, over there going ahead and endorsing Biden, I still think if Warren would have dropped out, we would have been able to pull that one out. But Oh, uh, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, I mean, but, even if we'd gotten half of her voters, I think we would have been enough <laughs> to pull out a few more states. Yeah, absolutely. That's like, and, that, and that's why I, I also believe we need ranked choice voting because a lot of people, a lot. When I mean a lot, there were there were record numbers in a lot of counties where a lot of people early voted, and right. so it's it's a little frustrating that you know basically a lot of people's votes were just pretty much not. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, yeah. uh, now, with that, uh, with the platform, though, I do want to just go ahead and mention that you did propose most of those uh, pr- 
progressive amendments that we did force through a, pretty much down the throats of all those centrists that were in the committee with us. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's why that like, I love it. That's why like, I've been praising the caucus states, too. I feel like if we had more caucus states, you know, we'd have more leftists, like, owning all the, the centrist libs, you know, like, how can you defend their, it's like, very hard to, like, debate somebody and defend any of those, like, moderate Democrat policy positions, right? Like, it just, especially, like, you know, public option versus Medicare for all, like. No, I, uh, I completely agree with you. And it's so funny you say that because one of the guys who was actually in the platform with us, who was, I mean, it was some of the policies that he made were just absolutely ridiculous. Like, it was, oh, like, yeah. are, we, are we in 1960 right now? And, <laughs> yeah. and yep. you should have seen how uncomfortable he was explaining yeah. why, why he was, why he here's was, why we need to do COBRA subsidies. COBRA yes, subsidies. and it, it, it but oh, here's here's why we don't need to give uh, to uh, to end cash bail or to, yeah. you know it was right. just ridiculous. And here's why we need to keep marijuana illegal. Think of all the bail bondsmen; they'll be so screwed. <laughs> but it it was really funny though because like about midway through the first couple of votes where you got a sense of the room. By the time he came to his amendments and he was having to argue for or against him, he was just like, nah, fuck it, I'm not going to argue for him anymore. I would draw. I would draw. Yeah. And no, seriously, he withdrew, like, probably, because he actually was the one who had the most amendments out of everyone. Yeah. And, and probably, I would say, three-fourths of those amendments were shot down. Yeah. Like, and, completely. Or, or he withdrew from them. And they were written by lobbyists, most likely? Yeah, pretty much. Well, it's so uh, it's funny you say that because we actually got a call from. I know. I want to get to the yeah, bottom of that. that one, yeah, that one was kind did, of crazy. You, I guess I guess we'll talk about. I mean, if you want to talk about it now, but I guess we can talk about it later. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the only thing I, I got one um I got one text and a, and a call from some somebody representing some judge somewhere in Texas. Yeah. And trying to get us to or trying to get me to go ahead and vote. In favor of all these fracking amendments and and uh, anti-environmental amendments, that that was the the gist of what the of the context that I was getting from people. And um, yeah, I remember I had go, went ahead and I emailed out to everybody about what I was getting contacted about. And you know, I mean, I just went with a, a respectful. I, I think I pretty much said "fuck off" in the most respectful and articulate way good it's just like shows you you know it's like laid bare like how corrupt it is when they're trying to convince you like here's why it's good that we need to pollute more you know like here's why <laughs> no, your carbon was, goals crazy. are too aggressive <laughs> yeah i agree it was kind of crazy because i mean it just kind of caught me by surprise because i was like wow really like this is actually happening mm-hmm. <laughs> like they do this for 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 the platform like oh yeah my God, now, that's my, that was my situation like I mean, now. they didn't have to worry because Joe Biden's such a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I mean, I guess uh, that's a good way to transition over into the the big um, news this week. I guess from um, well, Bernie's part of Bernie's um, endorsement, I guess, came along with a, a concession, if you want to call it that. Was this a progressive-minded task force that was supposed to go ahead and? bring biden a little bit over to the left and and we can't uh, forget don't forget don't forget all of the articles that came out from washington post 
and um, who else? New York Times. Yes. Uh, praising, praising uh, Savior Joe Biden on his um, what his his uh, what's it his benevolence of <laughs> dealing with dealing with this peasant named Bernie Sanders. You know, um, and and allowing him to be in his presence to to they were, so that he could be the next FDR. <laughs> I mean, that's what Bernie said, and I think okay, here this is probably just my opinion, but I kind of feel like Bernie's just kind of trolling. I think he's, I, I I actually don't blame Bernie with for what he's doing. He's trying to make the best of a shitty situation. No, 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 no. He really is. I agree. I, a lot of people. And and a lot of people have have been angry at me, yeah. you know, because I've I've said it. I'm like, honestly, just think about it. Put it, put yourself in the, in your put yourself in his shoes right now. Mm-hmm. You worked your butt off for the last three years, you know. After you lost against Hillary in 2016, mm-hmm. you campaigned hard for her, and you got pretty much no return out of it. Because mm-hmm. honestly, let's just be honest. I'm just gonna go ahead and put it out there. If Hillary had chosen Bernie as her VP, she would be president right now. Oh so yeah, she's going to no be doubt. Landslide. But let's let's go to the future now, where where we are right now. Or even because Warren, of too, the, because of the crappy situation. Now you're fine, you're fine. But because of the crappy situation that Bernie is in now, I mean, he worked his butt off after 20, you know, 2018. He was already deciding, you know, that he was actually it was 2017 because I had friends who. We're already arming up and getting ready um, in 2017, especially with the Latino vote in Texas, because right. that's really where where Bernie was trying to hit hard. And so, um, just put yourself in his shoes. Like yeah. you're you work your butt off for three whole years, and then you know you feel like I mean at this point they coalesced, they finally coalesced, and then you have the former president who made these calls to make sure that he didn't become president because let's be honest, if it had stayed the same, we would be having Bernie, Bernie Sanders nomination party parties pretty much every day. during. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, and the MSM would, the MSM would be losing their minds right now. Mm. And, you know, but then, you know, they would be changing it up saying, you know, wait, well, we got to make the best of every situation, blah, blah, blah. You know, they have to turn it some way. Or, or trying to, you know, make Trump look good. You know, you never know. <laughs> I, w- I really would have a little bit of that. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't put it past him, to be honest, at this point. But I just, just think that he's trying to. And, and, I mean, it's, it's a crappy situation, like you said. It sucks. Yeah. Like, so much hard work went into this second round. And at this point, it was all for nothing. And, and it sucks, because now... I mean, Bernie was Bernie was banking on the fact that he could get at least get at least seventeen to eighteen hundred delegates, right? So that he could come to the DNC uh, meeting, you know, the national uh, DNC meeting, and say, mm-hmm. "Hey, I will give my stuff to Biden since he didn't make it." Because you know, if Biden wouldn't have hit the criteria, then that would have gave him more power. Then he would be able to say, "You know what? I'm not going to give it to you, Biden." until you, you know, you, you fall for Medicare for all, or you legalize marijuana. At least something. You know, you know, know, but now at this point, it's all for nothing, and it sucks, but, you know, 
I, mm. I just, if I keep talking about it, I get frustrated. But, no, you know, I'm like, it's it's frustrating, but at the same time, I, I think it's, Bernie for trying at least. Yeah, I think he's doing like he's trying to not make the same mistake he made with Obama, right? I think, or that a lot yeah. of people made with Obama. You know, we kind of thought yeah, like, oh, remember, cool, we got a progressive. He, he was gonna primary Obama in 2012. Well, like, right. He's trying to hold Joe to the, you know, trying to use the most progressive version of the task force recommendations and say, okay, this is set in stone. This is the plan. This is what we're doing. You know, so although it's not progressive, not that progressive, if we got everything in, like, in, enacted and put into law, he would be the most progressive president we've had since, I don't know about F, since FDR, but he would be a pretty progressive president if we got, you know, a couple of those big ticket items like exactly no and then and then the, the the funny thing is or the ironic thing is regardless of whatever joe biden does trump is gonna call democrats socialists it doesn't yeah, matter obviously like that, that, and that's see that's thing. you know and just to take it back to the platform committee that's the argument that we kept getting from the centrists is aren't they gonna call us socialists aren't the the right republicans gonna call us this or that? i mean they're gonna call yeah. us that anyway Exactly. Yeah. And the one thing that, that just, like, I'm not even going to say pissed me off, even though I just said it, that made me mad, because, mm-hmm. guys, you know, I'm, I have to I have to be very uh, astute in what I say now. <laughs> right. But, uh, but um, the thing that made me really mad about sitting there was this fear of what re- Republicans are going to think. Yes. And yeah. I'm just like, Cable news why? Brain. Why is it you know, why, why are y'all so scared of them? Because they right. think the electorate is just fighting over like 10%, you know, college educated, middle class white people every exactly. four years. That's exactly. what the electorate but, but why is. Don't you, why don't you expand your coalition? Why don't you cable news brain who aren't voting, but they're like, oh, no, no, we don't, yeah. we don't want to work hard for those people who, who don't vote. And see, that's the thing. What I had said in that in that um, committee when they brought that up is, I said, if we're going to be an opposition party, let's be an opposition party and stop worrying about rep- what Republicans are going to say about us. They're going to yeah. say it anyway, exactly. especially because Trump's yeah, I, that, strategy I is so poor. I, I wanted to clap, but you already know we we were in there with with um, with a with a uh, a Texas senator who is very um, I'll just say that very. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, that that um and and not even just um well, the independent way I guess they were supposed to be the neutral party that was supposed to be moderating the whole committee, even she was um not very um discreet about her biases. Oh yeah, she made it very clear a lot of times. And it oh, wasn't yeah. even just the like Republicans once or twice. It. it wasn't once or twice. It was it, it was a couple oh, of times. And it right. was it started to get infuriating. I mean, come on, like we sat in that meeting for almost 14 hours. Yes. And, <laughs> Not, and no lie, man. Of course, I understand we were all, all tired. We were some of us were hungry, some of us were thirsty, but we were trying to get it done. And yes. like I understand you're here, like you're here because you volunteered to do this, and I understand that, but at the same time. You swore, you know, your uh, your duty to do this, and you also swore to be to remain neutral, which you proved that you weren't doing. I over love and to over. see the chat. Every, like every time something passed, it was like she was openly booing. We we're talking about oh, UBI, yeah. M4A, oh, yeah. Green New Deal. 
oh yeah she, the, she the, all the classic hits yeah she 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 sneered a couple of times she yep. did like a those long sighs she was like <sighs> and oh, like i mean God. you could she was you could tell she was visually upset like it yeah. was and but you know i'm i'm going to also apply our other moderator who was there mm-hmm. he was absolutely phenomenal in oh, what yeah. he did oh yeah i absolutely love him i'm glad that he is one of the uh senators texas senators who is near me Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an amazing guy and you know I don't want to name names I'm not going to say any names I'm not messy I'm not going to be like that but you know I like I just thought he was absolutely professional and oh, yes. I I want him to be a senator for as long as he wants to be one because he is he's a great guy yeah he's actually yeah I think he was like one of the few good ones you'll find out there and I mean the part where I lost yeah, it was, was where... regardless of what regardless of what you believe you know? right yeah, I mean, at least you have some kind of principles. It's uh, well, mm-hmm. since we're gonna be talking about Hamilton later, at least you know what somebody believes in. Yeah, gee, guys, it's almost like the um, establishment Democrats are uh, incredibly corrupt and uh, <laughs> underhanded and with no no morals <laughs> well, or, or well, I mean, any like sense of part, appealing to the voter. Well, I mean, the part where I lost it was we bring up that that one amendment about the toll roads, and then she was. Oh yes, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> Man, that was Imagine being that passionate about toll roads. Yeah, no, it, was, to the point. it was hilarious. It was yeah. actually pretty funny because we honestly, we were at that point, we were tired, we didn't care. We were like, yeah. okay. It was one of what? the last amendments. And I, I myself am for toll roads because I, I know why, what they what they can be used for, and when it's, especially when it comes to education and things. But right. like it's at the point, like the way she acted towards it, Yes. All of the all of the progressives were like, you know what? Let's that just was vote a spite let's vote against. That was you know, a let's vote for spite it. Vote. Just awesome. to make her, you know, it was more out of spite. We yeah, were doing it that out was of a, spite. that was a pure spite vote. I mean, the the premise of that amendment, I still remember, just because of of the the way it all went down, was that you couldn't take a already free road and convert it to a public road. You would have to do a new public works project to create a toll road. If yes. that was reasonable, mm-hmm. between point A and point B. So that was the premise of the amendment, and then yeah, right away she was all, "No, you can't vote for this. You can't vote for this. This, this one's off the table." Like, excuse me. And it's like, uh, and that's not your job, ma'am. And I told her that, and she got pissed. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, you know what? I, this, this, she probably hates me now. I know she probably does. Oh yeah, little uh, but... get elected. I want to see what happens then. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that'll be wonderful. You got some time, right? It's not 2024. Yeah, I know. I got I got four years, but I mean, honestly, for for something so big that I mean, and I I understand that this is a huge endeavor. Mm-hmm. I know it's not gonna be easy. I understand that, but honestly, I'm I'm tired of I'm just tired of being tired. Yeah, that's, tell I, me I, that's about the it. way I put it. I'm tired of being mm-hmm. tired. Mm-hmm. I have been visually angry I'll, I'll say this i've been visually angry i've been angry since 2013 when we lost my brother that's when i, I that's when i changed i i know that's when i changed but it wasn't until 2015 when i like really started getting passionate about politics like because i didn't give a crap about politics i mean mm-hmm. i just wanted i wanted my brother to be back that's what i was angry about yes but once when, once 2015 happened and i got a taste of um, you know, I'll just say not me us. Yeah, right. I just, I mean, it just completely 
Like it, it opened my world to the possibility of things that can happen in this country that can be best. Uh, well, that can be best for everyone, mm-hmm. but specifically for pe- for working class people. Yeah. Because it's about time that the people who built this country and who continue to shape this country and make it what it is get their hand in the pot. Right. And see, uh, I think a lot of us uh, were brought into the fold by the not me us movement uh, that was led by Bernie's campaign. And um, it was just I, a sign I that think, better things were possible. Right. Well, like, I mean, yeah, and, actually, and see, you have to and, just be like, oh, God, I guess I'll vote for the Democrat. Like, <laughs> I mean, well, I voted for Nader, but like a couple. You know, le- yeah, so, less lesser lesser of two evils. And right. I, I didn't know I didn't know what the lesser of two evils was, and I'll just be honest. Like I I I went out and I I caucused for uh, or not caucus, but I I um I went out and did canvassing and stuff for Obama's campaign in twenty twelve. Yeah, because I you... had a gun pulled out pulled on me in twenty twelve. Yeah. Oh. I can talk about that one. Uh, yeah, that was that was say, something that happened. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. 2008, uh, I was jazzed. Yeah. But, so in 2012, then, in 2012, I uh, I was in McLennan County, which is Waco, the Waco area. Oh And boy. I was in I was in uh, still at school at Baylor, and uh, I was canvassing. Went out into Robinson. It's like outside outskirts of Waco, and went to go knock on a the door there. You know, I was it, it's like farm area. You know, right. Over there. I mean that area. And is I pretty went, rural. drove. I I drove pretty close to the house, but probably about thirty yard or probably about thirty feet away, thirty forty mm-hmm. feet away from the house, just so I could get out, get all the stuff out, get the little you know programs and stuff out. And then I just knocked on the door, and this guy comes out with a shotgun, and I'm just <laughs> like, oh, I'm gonna die. Please don't let me die today. You know, <laughs> like oh just God. it was one of the worst experiences of my life and I have not canvassed ever since. I'm just going to be honest. Oh, I didn't man. canvass for Bernie's campaign because I just, I... Well, I after that experience... Go, you know, I don't want to go through that experience again. And that's that's what makes me nervous about running. I mean, I'm like, if I run, I'm going to be running for senator of the whole state of Texas. Mm-hmm. Like, that scares the crap out of me. But mm-hmm. honestly, it's it's at this point, it's like, if, if it... Who's gonna do it if not me? You know, right. and I'm tired. I, I felt like I was lied to in 2018, especially yeah. after Super Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I did a lot of stuff for that campaign. I'm not gonna bring up his name because <laughs> it just frustrates me even more. But mm-hmm. I did a lot of stuff for that campaign, and I'm just going to, you know, I'm gonna leave it at that. But I felt shorthanded, especially at Super Tuesday. And so at that point, I was like, you know what? I I'm I'm possibly going to either run for Congress or I'm going to run for for senator. Mm-hmm. And I we have a good we have a good runoff here right now in in my district uh, in uh, SD five, but it's, it's Texas District thirty one. Um, mm-hmm. And right now I think Cook's score rating is like plus nine with um, with I can't even think of his name right now. I have his face, but I can't think of his name for the senator. He's a he's a Trump Republican, you know, you know, kiss his butt for Trump. Right. But um, honestly, I think a Democrat can take it because Bernie won Bernie won our uh, our county. You mean you, sure you won, see stuff I'm like sure he that? Won two, he won two yeah. counties of the of the area that we live in. You know, and it's just and really man. that 
And really, that that gets to what I think will be Bernie's long term legacy. Even you know, he never might end up getting a uh, elected president, but I think his legacy is going to be the the numbers of people that were inspired to get involved in the yep, politics. Absolutely, absolutely. And more than that, run for office. You're motivated like, to run for office now. I mean, I got motivated to run onto the platform committee. And that's why I to predict what's going to happen now, yeah. though, right? Like. We live in such a failed state, you know, it's like, are we going to have, um, you know, is the election going to happen in November? Is like, you know, can Joe Biden pull it out? Are we going to have a civil war? Are we going to have balkanization? Like, well, it's I just so hard to, like, <laughs> come to any kind of, like, future projection of what's going to happen. Because, like, a part of me thinks that if Biden does even a little bit to kind of show people that there can be a material benefit can be had from politics, right? Because mm-hmm. there's been none of that. I mean, it's in my lifetime, right? It's like when has a president, I guess, you know, Obamacare helps some people, but like when has policies ever actually improved people's lives in a significant fashion, especially, you know, means tested neoliberal policies, right? Like and yeah. and see under those policies, I kind of would go ahead and liken the United States to some kind of corporate uh, corporatocracy. Yeah. No, no, no really. It's, it's, an, it's like like it's just like oligarchy. It's an oligarchy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's ten, but at this point it's tantamount to oligarchy when you're talking about how much uh money that the billionaires and the one percent and the corporations have made off of this crisis. You know, yeah. the, you know, you have people that you won't even get a stimulus check. We got one stimulus check. You won't even pass a monthly stipend to people. Oh, yeah. A, a, a measly $1,200 stimulus check. And $1,200. Also, and then, I want to I go ahead and commend you, Anthony, because Anthony, he was the one that made the in- amendment for UBI that we got passed. So yeah. I want to go ahead and commend you on that one. And uh, but honestly, when it comes to, you know, especially what what we're doing right now. Look at look at what happened. I mean, just a couple of months ago, Nancy Pelosi, he, I mean, just fell through the cracks of, you know, fighting, and she still gave Trump all of the money that he needed yeah. to help keep building his wall. She's so yet, horrible. You know, yet she, you know, and and I'm not gonna, you know, like I said, I can't do too too much. <laughs> mm-hmm. no. you know, I she's just I'm as bad as process. as McConnell. You know, like in a lot of ways she's worse too because well, she hasn't well, let anything the, out of committee. Well, I mean the, the way I look at, at Pelosi, it, it's kind of like she, she well, well this is exactly what it seems like she does. She goes ahead and props up Trump as this, you know, uh, end game villain. Yeah. But she only uses it in order to go ahead and fundraise off of him. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, I mean, it, it's kind of it, it's kind of like yes, I'm gonna be in a, opposed to Trump, and I need your money to go ahead and do that it. Half-assed impeachment. Oh, you know, yeah, you know, <laughs> like, you know, let the the side clap, you know, the yeah. side clap for. And then for you Trump. have, well, and then you have stuff like that. That uh, what do you call it? That that photo when she's in the White House standing up and. The I, photo I, that every idiot I fight with on Twitter has is their oh background. Oh my god, the photo op, right? And then, and then, I, no, not only you that. You click on their page, the like, one, oh, fuck the one this of, guy, uh, what's this guy's deal? Oh, what is the it? Same the one, picture. the one of her she pointing she... at Trump across the table. <laughs> exactly. And the one in the situ, not the situation room, whatever that room is called in the in the White House that you know, where they have meetings. That one where she's pointing across the table. Every fucking idiot on Twitter who is 
you get into a bad centrist argument, it's always that always that same background pick. But yeah, like, or or the where's the the one where she is on the uh, where she's walking out of there, out of the out of the White House. Oh, I know and, which one you're talking about too. <laughs> yeah, with with the with the uh, probably two thousand dollar coat on, you know. <laughs> Oh, I know which one you're talking about. Or, you know, or the I, one where she rips where she rips the paper behind him. Oh my God! Like, yeah, that that was you know the it's like you know, oh for, yeah oh you ripped the paper but you know you gave him you gave him millions of dollars maybe billions you know for, for you know for, to to cut trillions one point one trillion dollars on say, yeah, weapons and defense this year yeah one point one dollars. Yeah, I mean, for every time I see that that Pelosi coat pick, I mean, I think about that one of AOC walking past the, I think it was a group of Republicans, and then the the caption on it was, "You meet a woman that doesn't give a fuck who your daddy is." Ooh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. Be like, all right, that just from a photo op perspective, then yeah, that AOC's got you beat there, lady. I mean, we were talking about this last time, and you can probably weigh in and set us straight here, Professor. Like. Has the country always been sort of a corporatocracy set up to for gridlock to fail so that the will of the people could not actually be actualized through policy? Or mm-hmm. did it used to be better? Like, what, you know, see, and, and like, my, why is my, Hamilton such a good, act, you know, accurate um, description of real life? Like, and see, what, what the way I kind of looked at it. <laughs> fucking I, idiot I, didn't get it. <laughs> you sound like I'm praising Hamilton. A little bit. No, 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 no. I'm not going to say you're praising Hamilton. No, I said, like, I was making a joke. Like, why is I Hamilton know. such a good description of our history? And we're supposed to be like, but, it's not, dumb fuck. But it's also kind of satire a little bit as well, it, you it know? It is. Well, I, I kind of likened it to a, like a, a little bit of a, a Shakespearean, modern kind of Shakespearean way, but it's meant to kind of please the aristocrats of the day. In a little bit of of appease, uh, there's a little bit of appeasement or a, a factor of that, but uh, like, yeah. What I kind of um, what I kind of looked at it when it when you talk about the formation of the country, and there are different issues. Of course, the issues change over time, but the kind of dynamic that you see, I kind of look at that as being something consistent over over the course of the entire country. And there is this a uh, quote from Amistad that. Where um, the what do you call it the John Quincy Adams character says who we are is who we were, and I, I kind of see that play out in in many different respects when it comes to this um, mythical time where people were united across the states, and I, I just never have seen that really materialize in all the stuff that I've studied. The shape okay. of our democracy affects so many issues. So on corporations, I say on corporations, when you think about in the case of the, the, you know, the the founding fathers, I would say early Americans really did have a like a far more comprehensive and nuanced understanding of corporations than, you know, I would say the courts now would give them credit for. Um, They were actually like very comfortable with retaining like pre-revolutionary city or school charters mm-hmm. than creating like corporations because they would be able to concentrate that economic and political power in unaccountable institutions. Mm-hmm. But like if you read someone like Madison, so let's say like, you know, one of the founding fathers, Madison, 
um, Madison in particular, he wasn't like blindly hostile to the banks during his fights with Alexander Hamilton. Like, okay. because he, Madison, you know, Madison wasn't very fond of Hamilton all the time. And <laughs> Thomas Jefferson wasn't either. Yes. Um, and, you know, Jefferson tried to destroy, you know, Hamilton's legacy. But right. failed. Um, but when you read Madison in particular, um, when it comes to Hamilton over the banks, because Hamilton was the one who gave us the national federal banks. Yeah, and see and, the... Just to back up on the 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 real idea, be, well, the main legacy you're talking about with Hamilton is this idea of the national bank, wherein the debts from the various states over the revolution would be consolidated into a central bank, so that mm-hmm. way the states were indebted to the federal government, thereby exactly. consolidating some of the power. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so instead, like Madison. What he was worried about was that unchecked power, like you just said. He was he was afraid that if you have this accumulation of capital, that accumulation of capital is what's going to create a class of bankers who, you know, you're going to be indebted to, which that kind of goes back to where, I mean, that's why they wanted to fight against the King of England, because they were in, you know, they treated them as if you're indebted to us. We gave you this land. You owe us taxes for this land, and you're going to pay it till the day you die. Right. You know? And so that's what they were afraid about. They didn't want to have that feeling anymore because then what's going to happen? They're going to have a fight again, and that would have probably started an, a, a civil war before the actual civil war. So I take it you're not a fan of the uh, 1619 project? <laughs> There's been a lot of, like, debate recently, right? Like, um I guess the leftist analysis is more sort of, you know, it's capitalism. It's like pursuit of profit, like market disruption, like, you know, slavery I was mean, like innovation of capitalism. Oh, no, slavery, as opposed slavery to like was a, absolutely, slavery was absolutely capitalism. Like, yeah. I mean, if you think about this, um, because, I mean, you, you, there's different accounts, you know, throughout history, there's different stories. Um, and of course, we weren't there, so we don't know mm-hmm. the full story anyways. But I mean, there's a there's a photo and I can't remember the guy's name right now. And it sucks because, you know, Sean King kind of caught some flack for it recently. Mm-hmm. But because he used used that photo. Um, but there's a photo and I cannot remember the guy's name. It's going to kill me. So, And I, I know his name, but it's just not at the top of my head right now, on the top of my tongue. Um, mm-hmm. But he basically made a photo or he took the photo um, and put a dot by every single founding father. Oh, yeah. Slaves. I saw that. Yeah. That owns yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. you know, Sean King kind of got some flack for that because they were like, he stole, you know, stole his story, whatever. <laughs> but um, and, no. you know, that that can be nuanced, you know, whichever way you want to see it. And, was he well, was he really stealing his story or was he? If you put a meme on the internet, you know, bring, anybody can you use know. it. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so I mean, public domain, I would say at that point. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Pretty much public domain. But anyways, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people were so surprised to find out that majority of them owned slaves. It's like, but you know, black people are like, uh, duh, we all well, knew that. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, and here's so, the. There's a there's a sort of a thing that always kind of popped in my mind when you talk about the founding fathers and which one of them were uh, slave owners. So there's a, the concept of the slave name, which whereas 
the slaves are when they were freed still retain Arlen the names Parsa. of their Arlen Parsa. That's his name, Arlen Parsa. I know it was, okay, it, was yeah. in my, it was in my head. I, can't, <laughs> I couldn't think of Arlen Parsa. Yeah, Arlen Parsa was the one that did it. Mm-hmm. And it was it was John Trumbull's um, uh, painting, painting, Declaration of Independence. Oh, 1818. Okay. Yeah, his right, own that, painting. That was the one that was a commission. That one, uh, I think Adams was the last one that was alive, or Jefferson actually was alive at that point too. They were, they were the last two, I think, at that point. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I, I, I got a soft spot for Sean King. I feel like he's much maligned. But, well, he's kind of a grifter, but not as bad as people paint him out to be. Well, what I no, was fun the, fact. Fun fact. Did you know Thomas Jefferson and John Adams uh, died? Um, I'm pretty sure they died on like. The exact they, same day they, or they something. They died on the, the same day, like right, within five, yeah. like it was like four or five. It was within hours, hours of each other. other. Uh, it was yeah. on the fiftieth anniversary of the signing of the declaration. Yeah, yeah, and it was the fiftieth anniversary. Yep. Yeah. Was it like Marx or Engels born like a day later or something too? I feel like no. It was a. Uh, I think it was eighteen twenty three that Marx was born. That. Just off the top of my head, but uh, what I was about to say about the founding fathers and everything about them being slave owners. Yeah, you're you know, a lot they, more sympathetic to them than I am. I don't. I don't have well, a good faith reading of them. I well, like, well, let's let's also not forget John Adams was an abolitionist and he did not own slaves. He absolutely yes. detested it. Well, like my he thing, like it. my critique is that like I feel like the issue of slavery was uh, it was they try to write it as if it was sort of the subtext when really I feel like that was what they were arguing about so no, much. No, no, absolutely. And yeah, they tried I mean, to kind honestly, of disguise it as sort of exactly. you know, organizational yeah, so issues you have to think because they knew it was like evil. You said, yeah, like you said, I mean, slavery was absolutely, I mean, especially in America, slavery mm-hmm. was about yeah. owning. It was about the money. It was about yeah. making money because right. when the when the cotton gin, especially when the cotton gin was made, and I'm pretty sure the cotton gin was invented in 18 or no 1790 something. I think 92 yeah. or 93. Was it Eli so you got to think about this. This yeah, Eli Whitney, and I'm pretty sure 1792 or 93. This was you got to think about this. This is right around the time that the Declaration of Independence was made in 70 or you know was written and written. They had the Continental I mean, that, Congress. Yeah, that was and all like about. Stuff. It was. You know, it had and, to have been just a couple of years after the yeah, the about, Constitution, right? 10, yeah, just about fifteen, just about fifteen to twenty years. Mm-hmm. And so, this was at a time when you know cotton was the big thing, and they were able to use that gin and get all the seeds out and start planting again as soon as they right. got the 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 uh, the uh, cotton. And so they needed full time work all the time, especially in the mm-hmm. South. And this is why they were annexing new states and all these different things, and it was it was completely about capitalism. It was mm-hmm. all about making money, making as much money as you could by using. As um, I'm pretty sure one of the one of the Trump administration uh, people called it. Uh, I think they said uh, human capital. Mm. Some something about human capital. Yeah. yeah. That kind of that kind of threw me off, and mm. I was like, <laughs> okay, that's that's messed up. But hey, that's that's how they think of us. You know, that's how yeah. some, especially billionaires, think of. I mean, what do you think Jeff Bezos does? You know? Yeah, yeah but, they 100% um, do. Yeah. You know, and, and, yeah, and I saw this argument being made when it comes to capitalism that it cannot exist without some kind of form of indentured servitude or slavery or something. <laughs> absolutely. You know, that's and absolutely true. You yeah. do kind of see that play out in uh, many respects, but um, it's like. Well, the argument that we were, or the discussion we were having last time was about uh, the where their moral compasses were at the time 
whereas you had the slave uh, trade going on uh, predating um, uh, the United States. Um, not sure by how long, but I'm sure it was. I know it was going on for a while before then. And you have this kind of. Um, you do have some of these founding fathers that were out there had having their their moral outrage against slavery and then you had some that were cont- that went ahead and advocated in favor of it and then you had some that were making these arguments about that this is actually to the benefit of everybody because they can't take you know black people can't take care of themselves and all that kind of you have those ridiculous arguments and such yeah what's it called though not manifest destiny like white man's burden well, right yeah oh yeah so manifest destiny that was that was the you know Coast the god-given Coast. as they yeah. call it, the god-given right to be able to own one side of the united or, or at that yeah, time Coast one Coast. side of of america to the whole mm-hmm. other side of america which yeah. unfortunately they got right. it done yeah. but you know at the cost of millions of black lives at the mm-hmm. cost of millions of native american lives and uh, lots of and um and of course um a lot of latinx li- uh, latinx as people mm-hmm. call it or latinx lives as well so yeah. it was you know it was unfortunate uh an example especially when it comes to that coast to coast manifest destiny mm-hmm. i think about uh the show that was on amc a couple of years ago hell on wheels i think oh, that's yeah. what it was called like and, that you know, they when they're building the railroads and, you mm-hmm. know, you notice that they use black people and they use Chinese uh, immigrants. They use a lot of Mexican yeah. immigrants and, you know, Native Americans. And, you know, like that's just that's what it was like. That's exactly what it was like. Um, but, yes, the white man's burden or, you know, whatever. No. Yeah, no. It's just it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> now, now oh, Savion, where do you come down on this idea of where did was there did there need to be some kind of moral awakening for the people at that time in regards to slavery? Or did they go into this already knowing that it was exploitative and knowing that there was there anything wrong with their moral compass in that respect that they didn't really grasp the nature of what they were doing? Oh, they knew they do it. They knew yeah. it was wrong. Certainly. They absolutely knew it was wrong. They justified it. Right. They justified it through religion. And that's, I mean, that's usually the way I put it, is they justified it through religion because, of course, you know, not the New Testament, but the Old Testament, mainly. They mm-hmm. used it because they told, they told black slaves that there are slaves in general, even Native American slaves as well, that you know, we are the ones, you know, we're, we're the Israelites. We're the ones that own you, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, and, but in that sense, that were or not, they're not the Israelites, but they are the ones that they're the masters and you're the slave. Mm-hmm. And only, only I can, I can give you things <clears throat> out of my, my benevolence, you know, mm-hmm. and there is no such thing as a benevolent slave owner. I will yeah, say no. that as well. And, There's and no really, such we- thing. <laughs> now, I went on the I went on the the what do you call it the Mount Vernon tour once when uh, I was learning uh, was on uh, George Washington's oh, plantation. Yeah. George Washington has he has a very bad history because you know he, uh, what, and yeah. really there there's there's this kind of um, attitude you have from people when they hear about him being a slave owner where they just don't want people just don't want to believe that he was no, that don't. guy. No. You know, and, and exceptionalism. That goes, that goes, yeah. that goes 
well, not just that except, exceptionalism, it's ignorance. Because right. you have to go back to what they were taught in school. They yes. were taught that George Washington was this amazing man who helped bring in a new country and was the first president of this great country. Yes, yes mm-hmm. exceptionalism plays a part, but it goes into the ignorance and the education system. And yeah. me as a teacher, that's one thing. And as an educator, that's the thing that I come back every single day. I, I, I detest it from the moment that I hear it out of a student's mouth or when I see it, see it or read it in a book, because mm-hmm. I want my students to know that this is revisionist. This yeah. is not what actually happened. You have to look at this from the perspective of the people who actually went through those problems. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> not the winners. It's not, yeah. it's, it's always the winners that get to tell the story. Exactly. Well, since, they, well, since we did know, bring up so, George Washington, I did want to bring up one of the winners that, uh, I guess you could say that defeated him in a way was he had a slave that ran away from him and escaped from his um cap from well from being stuck as a slave to him was uh, Ona Judge who yeah, uh, Ona Judge was Sains. yes and uh, she was a house slave at the time and uh, I guess she was she found a way to be one of the most trusted ones in the house and everything else but um for everything I else she, that, i think she ran away to new hampshire if i'm not mistaken. yes yeah, i think that's where i think that's where she did take off too but she was one that evaded capture the rest of her life and she just she never was freed but and i think you know, she still and, ended and up having a title on her ridiculous. but she was never freed right you know she was never freed she died a, she died a fugitive but she was never captured by was by she like a, a political pawn though i feel like you know that would be some. I guess they didn't have any moral standing to beat him over the head with it. But I feel like in modern times, you know, if the like the Bush family had one of the Clinton family slaves, they would be like, you know, milking that for all it's worth. <laughs> like I wonder if it was, the, um, you know, an 18th century equivalent. Yeah, um, yeah, I get you. But like, yeah, but I, yeah, like you said, like just when it comes to Washington, like, yeah, I mean, any of them. The, like the one that I highly detest is Thomas Jefferson. Yes. Because yeah. people are like, oh, he, he fucking put his kid man. back in slavery. <laughs> yeah, like he enslaved his own children. Man. He wrote the Declaration of Independence yeah, and like biblically you know, and, evil. Yeah, yeah and, no, he was he was absolutely like Pharaoh shit. And I apply, I I implore both of you guys, if you have the chance to ever go, go to the National Museum of African American History in D.C. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I will say this. You cannot go one day. You have to go like multiple days in a week. But if you go there, you have to stay in those areas where it started. Like mm-hmm. when the moment it mm-hmm. started in the, in the late 1600s and learn about it. And it just blows. It will blow your mind to like re- or early 1600s. Sorry. Mm-hmm. But early 1600s, and it just blows your mind to read all these stories of, you know, like slaves who who made something out of nothing in a right. time where, you know, it's like they would just be killed the moment, you know, if they if they stepped down south, you know, if they, they were from the north and they stepped down south, you know, it would be like 12 years a slave. If you ever see yes. 12 years a slave, he was he was captured, even though he was a free man. That's what would have happened to them. Yeah, and was... it just kind of it just blows my mind. But yeah, mm-hmm. on Thomas Jefferson, that guy. I mean, it, it just 
it it pisses me off to hear about him because I'm like, yeah, what he did was pretty cool. But let's not let's not forget that he raped his his uh female yeah. slaves. He mm-hmm. forced them to have his children. He owned his children and he didn't he didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this is also a guy that wrote anti-slavery um Legislation. Yeah. yeah. Legislation and, and rhetoric. And at the same time, owning his own kids in, in slavery. And, you know, when you yeah. do go to, if you ever do go to Mount Vernon, they're going to tell you about the uniqueness about George Washington is that he was the only founding father to have set all his slaves free upon his death. But well, the wow, other I thing that, that I actually didn't know that myself. Why not, like, yeah. when he, you know, came to terms with well, the fact that, that that's, that's what I, that's actually when I was on that tour that's what I asked you know because what it seemed like for Washington uh, somewhere along the lines it, he just kind of became sick of the whole institution and no, there were a lot of laws it was governing he he didn't yeah. like governing and I, I think they kind of hinted about that a little bit in Hamilton as well is that because Hamilton was just like what the hell like no you can't leave like mm-hmm. It's you, yeah. you're George Washington, you know? Mm-hmm. And he was done. He was like, I don't like governing. I think it's too much hard work. I'm just tired. I'm ready to go home. Well, and and, and that's kind of what, what happened after the revolution was won initially, where he retired back to Mount Vernon and he was content to live his life in retirement before he was called back to serve as president. Mm-hmm. You see, now yeah. the the thing with uh with Washington and why he didn't what the explanation I got from from at Mount Vernon was that there were a lot of laws that were preventing him from being able to go ahead and free his slaves at the time during mm-hmm. his life and that's why he had to go and write that into his will. I could yeah, see that. That's true. That's yep. That is absolutely true. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> they don't want like you can't have it so that only you know some people have you know child labor. You know, not everybody. No, has no, no. Human, it's got to be indictable class. You have to, you, say it, you have to say it right. Human capital. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but yes, yeah, see that that's the but they but you know if you ask them what kind of slave owner was George Washington, they're gonna, gonna, they're, gonna, they're gonna they're gonna say they're gonna say he was oh he was the nicest master. Oh no, they they yeah. they no, on the contrary they do say I mean he was a typical slave owner. There's no such thing oh, as a wow, good they one. They do. Yeah, they do. They'll say it. He was. There's no such thing as a good one. You, no, you, there isn't at all. You know. I mean, and I don't know. despite what he did later on in life, which I mean, I I guess you can commend him for. Well, like, that's the point <laughs> I want to get to. Is that? I mean, <laughs> is but, there a redeeming quality here? Like, was this actually a new frontier in the, like democracy and liberty? Is there redeeming qualities to the American project? Or are we a cursed nation colonizing, like, you know, deplorables who, you know, <laughs> deserve to be nuked? Like, do any of the can any of these statues remain, you know, like, is and there anything you know, and, and, worth yeah, saving I mean, about a, the foundations of the country? Well, I mean, this, see, that's, that's a good point, though, because we have a kind of a movement about going back and revisiting the records of all these people that were venerated and have all these uh, great places in American history. But in reality, if you go look under scrutiny, even somebody as progressive as Teddy Roosevelt has yeah. read in his ledger. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, no, absolutely. And, and even t- and Teddy Roosevelt's great, great grandson, I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. even admitted to it. He was like, yeah, I just, I don't think 
his statue needs to be up anymore because he wasn't a great person. You see, and, and this is the kind of stuff that isn't isn't carried on the way other things are carried on. And yeah, one of and the- actually, I, I had a I had a tweet that go that went viral uh, mm-hmm. this uh, this week actually that kind of hints about that, you know, about mm-hmm. how um, how African American history or Black history, you know, I like to say Black. I don't really like to call myself African American um, mm-hmm. because I'm like, hey, no, I'm Black. You know, well, we yeah. call, I we used call, to work with a bunch of Haitians, yeah. and they get pissed <laughs> off if you call them African Americans. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, technically they're not. And yeah. so, and, and uh, I mean, but think about this: what about a white South, a, a South African white person? They're African American. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, you want, uh, I mean, technically you look at Charlie Theron. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. she's from South Charlie Africa. Yeah, Charlie yeah. Theron. She she if she if she has citizenship here in America. She yep. is a African American, <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I don't like it. I don't like saying calling yes. myself African American, but yes. basically, I I had a tweet that went viral this uh this week, mm-hmm. where I was, but I was talking about you know from the standpoint of an educator, and basically I said the fact that white people think that the civil rights movement was just Rosa Parks sitting oh, yeah. quietly, I, I caught that, and Martin mm-hmm. Luther King peacefully protesting is proof. That the American education system is rooted in white supremacy. Yes, and that's true. And you know, Black history was turned into a Disney version for white consum- consumption and comfort. Like no, yeah, uh, thing a couple is, of like weeks ago, me and my partner, me and my partner, we were watching a video. Um, and you know, my parent, my dad, my dad grew up in 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 civil rights era Mississippi, mm. and that was like the penultimate area of of racial hate. And <clears throat> but. Basically, uh, it was about Birmingham. It was about the bombing on the church in Birmingham. Did y'all even did, did both of y'all even know that there was a bombing at a church in Birmingham? I, I knew about that. That, that killed that Spike killed four little girls. Yeah, that was one of those. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those things that's always swept under the rug. But these are yeah, the stories. Yeah, that and that's the that's the you know what I mean about by the Disney version of stuff mm-hmm. and the riots. Is that right? They're like, always telling they're telling people that you know MLK he. He had a dream. Right. And, and, and then know, all of a sudden, and, and, and then you fixed everything. Yeah. You know, and they always skip from the great. I have a dream to the Civil Rights Act. And right. Like if it was all overnight, like if people didn't have to be doing what they're doing now in order to get changed. But, you know, you look at exactly. but, I, mean, I would encourage people to look at stories of somebody like Emmett Till or the yep. the Freedom Summer uh, murders. Yeah. The Freedom Riders. The Freedom mm-hmm. Riders. Yeah. The Freedom yeah. Riders is a good example. And. Uh, you know, uh, uh, even, um, and actually my, it's funny, my grandfather is a part of history, mm-hmm. uh, because if y'all ever heard of that movie and I mean, this movie is pretty old, but the movie is called Mississippi burning. Oh, I've seen that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, y'all probably heard about that movie, but mm-hmm. that movie was based off of, and it's actually true. It's a true story. Yeah. It was the murders of Cheney Goodman and Schwerner. And yes. if you know Schwerner, that last name, that's a Jewish last name. Yes. Because um, it was two black men and a Jewish man, mm-hmm. and they were killed by the by cops in by Mississippi. Who were members of the KKK? Who was member? Who were members of the KKK? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so, and in that in that movie, and I honestly, I wish, honestly, I wish every every uh, school in America showed that showed that movie to to students. So well, that like, they could get a feel of what it felt like for black people in that era. 
You're right. Like, and because, this is the yeah. and just to give you like, give everybody a little bit of more of an idea where you're talking about. So this was these were murders. They killed three people. The KKK under working behind a badge murdered the, these three people, and they were never going to get shocked. a conviction. Yeah, and I'm sorry, not cops two black killed men. people. Two, it was two, sorry, it was, right? Two it was black men and white the, men, or two white men and one black man. That's right. What it was. Yeah. So right. it was Andrew Goodman. Andrew Goodman. He mm-hmm. was uh, he was Jewish, and then James Taney was the black man, and then right. Michael Schwerner was right. the other uh, other white guy. But it right. was two white guys and a black man. Right, and I mean they were murdered, but the, here's the thing: they were never going to get convicted of murder in Mississippi. In that mm-hmm. time, they were never going to get a conviction in the state court. So what uh, LBJ did at the time was he got uh, Hoover to go ahead and send the FBI down there, and what they ar- eventually arrested the um, the KKK members on were violations of civil rights because that's the only way they could actually prosecute any of them. That's the like, only way they could prosecute Texas. Them. Absolutely. Well, like the part that bothers me is it's like you you know you learn some stuff like you might learn about Emmett Till because I feel like I learned about Emmett Till I learned about Rosa Parks obviously like MLK you know the March on Washington and I even feel like we learned a little bit about the Freedom Riders too and like the you know the sit-ins and the uh, cafeterias and all that but like what you don't necessarily is go through the social unrest in the cities right like I feel like that part mm-hmm. is obscured it's, yeah. Yeah, you're taught that all this peaceful nonviolence is what is what won the day when really exactly. it was a number of different factors coming together. You know, the chaos that erupted after King was killed, you know, there yep. was riots all across the country. And then just a week like, later, the like Civil Rights Act like passed. Right, you know? exactly. And, and you like saw now. the same thing after Malcolm X was killed. So, I mean, yeah, and then yeah. and then even then you had that dynamic between Dr. King and uh, and Malcolm X where Dr. King was viewed as a more peaceful alternative to the more militant Malcolm X. Mm -hmm. And they eventually came together in a way to to use that dynamic or that perception of themselves. They did. They did. They absolutely did. And and MLK and Malcolm X did meet before. And and Malcolm knew. He knew that he was was more... I, I would say... Militant. More militant. It wasn't that he was more militant. He was more outspoken. Yes. About that, about the way. About right. The way and he and when I say things. uh when I say militant, I just meant like the perception. Oh no 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 right. no! I know I know exactly what you mean. Well, That's I think King him. had the. They called him militant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like Cornell West talks about this a lot. You know, like King had the commitment to nonviolence, like the Gandhi model, mm-hmm. which you know, that's. Also whitewashing Gandhi and his uh, exactly. yes, fight to preserve the caste system and the Muslims as you know second class citizens apartheid. <laughs> yeah, but like the uh, that was the dynamic that I think proved to be effective was that there was the carrot. You know, King was the carrot, and Malcolm X was the stick. You know, yes, I think the two of them came together to get the job done, and that's the kind of lessons that we forgot because you know back to capitalism, right? Like. So much of the modern American project is about eradicating any indication of class solidarity, especially, you know, multiracial class solidarity, right? Like, they want that to be the furthest thing from your mind, right? So it's all like, oh, this is how you achieve positive change. You know, you just ask real nicely and, you know, the bosses will give it to you. you. Exactly. And that's far from what happened. And you have to Mm -hmm. also think, too, think about, I mean... And God rest his soul, because right now, you know, he's battling cancer right now. Um, 
but not only well not only him but think about people like Megger Evers. Megger Evers was mm-hmm. another one, you know, that was there with MLK, and he was murdered. He yeah. was also murdered, and they never mm-hmm. talk about Megger Evers. They don't want to talk about him. But Megger yeah. Evers had a major, and not only that, Megger Evers plays a major part in this because of the fact that he was in the military as well. Mm-hmm. He went and fought in these wars. And he was yes. involved with the Pan-African movement and all, yeah, too. Yeah, he was. And he was Megger, a... Evers, Megger Evers played a major part in this because of the fact that he fought for this country and came back to a country that treated him like shit. Yep. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he fought for it. I think my he's my favorite. I think about my grandfather when it, when it comes to this. My grandfather, um, my I call him Papa Theto. My Papa Theto, he went and fought for this country as well. And I think about him all the time now because I'm like, I just don't know what it felt like for my papa to go there, you know, during a time and kill people when, you know, and, you know, kill people for a country that did not respect him and saw him as a second class citizen. I don't right. know how and, he was able to do that. And, you you know, and that's that kind of reminds me of what you're what uh, Muhammad Ali said. When he would refuse to go, when he refused, and, yeah, right. When he refused but, to go, but, but to look, Vietnam. that's so funny that you bring up Muhammad Ali because that's another whitewashing of you know his story. Yeah, because yes. as at one point they wanted to put him in prison and and throw oh, away yeah. the key. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was far more. But now and but, and but, you know now 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 they're like oh but he was great he was amazing he <laughs> you know he did all these great things. Like right. a butterfly, sting like a bee, you know. <laughs> but you know, they they gloss over that part where he said, "I refuse to go into a war to go kill other poor people. Why am I gonna go kill a bunch of Viet Cong? Viet Cong never called me, you know, all that kind of stuff." So, I mean, yeah. they they go, no, you know, he was the a big part of that movement. The, the like, whole, um, Sam Cook was another one. Sam right. Cook, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, I'm a singer myself. And mm-hmm. my favorite song, my all my song, my favorite song of all time. And and I'll tell you also this: my dad, my dad didn't even know I could sing. Mm-hmm. But when I sang, when I sang, a change is gonna come by Sam Cook. Mm. Like because my dad is like I told you, he's from Mississippi, and he grew up. My dad was the first black man, black male, black person, period, in his county, in the state of Mississippi, uh, in Newton County, uh, Hickory area, Newton County, Hickory, to go Mm -hmm. to an all-white school. And he told me that he heard the N-word so many times every single day. Fucking miserable. It could have been a song. But it taught him discipline because he wanted to fight them, of course. But he knew if he fought them, their daddies would come after him. Yeah, and he wouldn't he wouldn't have been here today. Looking right. for an excuse to but, expel him, you know. And he said they spit uh, in his face. They uh-huh. tried to they tried to punch him in the gut all the time, and all these different things. And I commend my dad for that, you know, for mm. for what he had to go through. But at the same time, I when I sung that song, because that was the my dad knew that was that was the song. Like Sam Cooke's "A Change Is Gonna Come" mm-hmm. was absolutely. The basically the theme song besides you know lift every voice, um that was that was the theme song of the civil rights movement. And you yeah. see, and, and and this um, I mean this this whole uh, history in the in the country from civil unrest result uh, revolving around race, I mean it it the way I've read about it from the inception of the country on is it was always an issue, so 
the dynamic that I see that was going on uh, when the country was formed was between the states' rights versus a more centralized uh, federal power versus this slavery issue, which nobody wanted to touch, and the founders kind of kicked down the road for someone else to handle. Yeah, no, that's absolutely what happened. Yeah, because, I mean, like, I also wrote, you know, when we talked about Hamilton, um, mm-hmm. I also wrote about Aaron Burr. And right. Aaron Burr, mm-hmm. Aaron Burr actually was an abolitionist. Unfortunately, yes. he was a slave owner as well. But, <laughs> you know, that's the sign of the times, you know. Um, right. But Aaron Burr was also a avid uh, feminist. Like, he, he, was, he, wa- he wanted to, because of Mary Wollstonecraft, who there in England... Mm-hmm. Who was fighting for who was fighting for rights rights for females there in England? He actually he was he was in love with her. Well, not not literally physically in love with her, but mm-hmm. he was in love with what she was doing, and mm-hmm. he believed in what she was doing. Right. And Hamilton, on the other hand, you have to also remember this. This is when Hamilton. This was right around the time when Hamilton lost his son, which is also portrayed in the in the movie or you know in the video. Mm-hmm. whatever in the play in the stage um, play, yeah but yeah in the stage play um but hamilton basically was kind of the deciding factor in allowing him to win that race mm-hmm. and when he voted against him and, and the irony was the fact that he didn't you know him and thomas jefferson never got along him and hamilton mm-hmm. right and it's so ironic that he told you know told his people to, to support jefferson over aaron burr just because of the fact that he and Aaron Burr, you know, had this kind of rivalry between each other. Yeah. And, oh, did you mention that last week, didn't you? Yeah, Anthony? yeah, I did. I mentioned that last week. And honestly, it could have it could have been a whole different story in uh, Aaron Burr trying to convince people to uh, to uh, end slavery, because that could have been that could have been a turning tide in in the fight for slavery, and it wouldn't mm-hmm. have happened sixty five years later. You know. Yeah. And well, I mean, the, what I've read on uh, on Hamilton's end on that, if he had ever became president, he was also reported to be an abolitionist. That he had a, a long term plan to go ahead and scale back slavery himself. But uh, I really was unaware of, of Burr's history when it comes to abolition and even uh, for women's rights. And yeah. he's very much is portrayed as a villain in history. Where yeah, no, he really thing, is. I mean, the, the what you hear about most when you look at Aaron Burr following the the duel with Hamilton is the Burr conspiracy, where he was engaged in some kind of act of treason against the United States and then was exiled out at one point. Yep. Yeah, wasn't he trying to set up his own little uh, kingdom? Yeah, <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. Well, so that honestly, it's a conspiracy. You have to also remember yeah. that too, because you know it's like the QAnon crap or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And so you never knew if it was real or not. And that could have just been a way for them to try to get rid of him because he killed Hamilton. Exactly. And, and you have to also remember, you know, despite his faults, you know, he actually was someone who wanted to uh, wanted to change, make change. He was one of the original uh, people who started canvassing. He was actually one of the original politicians who canvassed. Right, uh, and, and awesome. if you look at which the, is also and, interesting. Right, and if uh, you look at the stage play, they actually kind of see the guy in the purple suit. I'm just watching yeah. it in the background. Yes, 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 hair. yes, yes. Yeah, but they, yeah, they he's the only one who said anything about any kind of material analysis. Like he's already like he's got that line. I just saw like I'm reading the subtitles as we talk, and 
something about Wall Street screwing over the you know the farmers or whatever. Yes. So, yeah, Leslie Odom Jr. Leslie Odom Jr. Yes. plays. Okay, there's a little bit of that. I'll give him well, more credit I, than I thought. Well, I mean, see, that, that's kind of what I wanted to get into a little bit. So, you you know, the, the main uh, argument there at the time was this whole state's rights versus the federal power issue where you have Hamilton being accused of being a, a mar- monarchist, right? And, uh, I mean, to, to some degree that's earned with uh, how we wanted to set up the presidency. But you really don't have that whole class dynamic aspect played up as much at least none of the stuff that i've read uh where you have that um sort of um existing between the parties at the time where you had one that was more avid for workers rights or one that was more for uh big business because it it seems like in some end they were both in favor of propping up some aspect of big business whether it was agricultural or whether it was industrial yeah, when does the material analysis start? Like, who's like a? Is there any kind of like proto-Marxist in the American story? Like, there's nothing like that, is there? I mean, probably. I mean, there. At that time, you also have to think about what was going on. It was those weren't really the the biggest issues. You have to remember, mm-hmm. you know, like the parties were made based off of issues. You know, you mm-hmm. had the Federalist Party, you had the Whig Party, and you had the Tory Party, and all of these different parties that were formed um, because of specific issues. Right. And, you know, the, even the Democratic-Republican Party at one point in time, you know. So that that happened just because of, you know, there was the, the fight between states' rights and, you know, the national rights, you know, or, you know, the government having more control. And, you know, it just, it depended on, you know, what the issue was. And, you know, what one thing that a lot of people, you know, try to use as a misnomer nowadays is, you know, for Black people, you know, trying to move Black people to the Republican Party is the fact that they're like, well, the Democrats. That's such a fucking the stupid argument. They were the racist back then. You, y'all are on, y'all are on the D'Souza. Democratic, you know, as they put it, the Democratic plantation. That's the D'Souza-verse <laughs> argument. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, and I mean, we had uh, we had discussed this a couple of shows back, right? Where where I was telling you about the radical Republicans when the party was first formed, and you had guys like that, Stevens, that were yeah. as as hardcore abolitionists, and and yeah. even further than just abolition. No, no, so back then, back then, like you were saying, like they were abolitionists. Republicans back then were actually the progressives. Yeah, they were the ones that were actually looking for progress. Like right. it's also, so rare, you know. Like 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 I said, it depends on what the issues were at mm-hmm. the time, and then they're switching. There there's party switches. There's all these different things that happen within yes. time. And it just you seems know, like, like the um the thing with Thaddeus Stevens. Like it's so rare that there's situations like that where one decision has such a dramatic effect. Like if mm-hmm. we had done, you know, even most of the stuff that Thaddeus Stevens. I mean. In my head, I call him Chatty as Stevens, but like even some of that stuff, sort of, we might have had a good chance to sort of like eradicate this virulent strand of white supremacy that remains. Like, just what, kind of just had the chance had to actually. Chance to actually. Is that echo on my end? Echo on my end. Oh. The iPhone. Yeah, it's catching yep. the fan. Yeah, that's what it now? was. Yeah, no, yeah, no, it's, it's gone. Yeah, so here I'll just move. I'll move away. But um, yeah, well, like, so could we have been safe though? Like, I mean, 
just the way we dealt with the indigenous population, I feel like that alone would be enough to condemn us, you know, like that. There's, there's that, there's yeah. that as well. And, you know, you had Ted Cruz this week throwing a hissy fit over the Supreme court ruling with the Indian reservation or the native American reservation in, uh, in Oklahoma, right. Talking mm-hmm. about Manhattan's next. And I mean, my first response is don't threaten me with a good time. I know really. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, no, I, mean, I agree. You know, and and if you go and you look in the history of New York and Manhattan, I mean the the idea behind Wall Street before it was a beacon for um, financial um, dominance over the rest of the world. The a reason it was called Wall Street because it was a literal wall to keep out the indigenous population from the Dutch settlers. Wow, you know, well, like we didn't. It's just like that. Just seems like so capitalist to me too. Is mm-hmm. like. We didn't have to slaughter, you know, entire nations of people. Like, mm-hmm. especially back then in the early days, the country was so big. There was so much to work with. Like, you really could have been just not so aggressively selfish and greedy. Like, you could have. Well, but I mean, but that's that's just the way it had to be, though. I mean, mm-hmm. unfortunately, they saw they saw it as theirs, their own. You know, and well, that's like, that's where man, that's where manifest destiny played a part. Right. Where because mm-hmm. they felt like it was God giving it to them. And mm-hmm. that's where religion, you know, religion plays that part again, you know, just mm-hmm. like slavery. Mm-hmm. You know, they and, and a lot of people don't realize this and they don't teach this in school. You have to remember slave owners used religion in order to even yeah. tell slaves the reason that's the reason why they're slaves right and then they even they even taught yeah and they even taught they even taught um they even taught the um they even taught black people you know these other slave these slaves who were like the leaders of uh you know of the plantation they taught them to read the bible only you know Mm -hmm. and this is what that's that was their way of getting them to uh well you know uh, uh it was not only for control but also to show them you know this is this is the life that you need to live until the day you die you well, know it's like li- christianity's li- under your under right? your master you know under your master right like back to the roman times right like oh yeah it goes, it goes way further it goes well. say, it goes mm-hmm. way it goes way further than that. <laughs> like, don't yes. worry about how terrible your life is. You're going to have a great life in heaven. So continue plowing my field and don't ask too many questions. You know, just praise yep, Jesus. Exactly. You know. So, I mean, would you say, which of uh, the founding fathers would you say don't get enough praise for the kind of men that they were? And what kind of redemptive qualities do you see in the people that created this country. I mean, do any of these statues deserve to be kept up? Yeah, I mean, and that, I guess that's a kind of a question. So, I think the person who is not given enough credit is John Adams. I I would give more credit to the Adamses than mm-hmm. anything, especially in that time, because John Adams did not own slaves. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say anything about these people because a lot of them, regardless of them either owning slaves or not, they still tolerated it because yeah, no that's, that's, that's the thing. You know, there's no, you know, there's, I mean, all of it was wrong regardless. You have to think right. about that because in the sense, it's like, especially when it comes to slavery itself and, you know, the practice of it, 
I mean, come on, we know the brutality that was there. And there's, there's even people now, you know, ignorant people now who are like, well, you know, it wasn't always bad. It doesn't matter. They literally owned a person. Yeah. Okay. No. And it, bud. yeah, but I think honestly, out of, out of any of them, I would give it to Adams. Um, he was a, he was a little weirdo though at times. Yeah, um, I mean, from the stuff I've, I've read about him, he's a little bit. He was a little bit kooky, and uh, the alien and sedition <laughs> acts that he had w- was probably like uh, not his best moment. But when it comes yeah. to the character of the of the guy, I mean, he really did feel duty bound to represent his country in the best way that he felt at the time. Yeah, I mean, but come on, he had to. He had. And this is the funny the thing about Hamilton too. Of his country. You know, you know, it's the funny thing about Hamilton is when, when, uh, when the the King of England is like joking about, wait, y'all are using y'all are John Adams is going to be his successor. Right? Like John you mean, Adams, John Adams, the little guy that I met when I signed that treaty. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like. <laughs> It's so funny, but it's like, I mean, yeah. Well, yeah, he was, he he was to, a little kooky. Well, I mean, he had to, I mean, okay, for, for the time, he had to follow George Washington. and Exactly. You know, and like, for, for me, when I look at Washington, aside from, you know, all the, the stuff that we talked about with him already, the thing that really separated for him, him for me in the history books was, you know, he had command over the military, right? And... <laughs> Yes. I I kind of liken him to Caesar or Napoleon. And they were in similar positions in that respect and the thing that made Washington different was that he was he actually ceded command back to the Congress. Yes, whereas, that's true. Whereas yeah. he, the alternative would be he could have named himself a monarch and nobody would have said nothing to him. No, that's true. Yeah, that he he. I mean, but look at how in Hamilton, how Hamilton was just flabbergasted at the fact that right. he gave up after the second term, the after yeah. the eight years, and he was just like, "Why? You're George Washington, you know?" <laughs> He's like, "You're the rock star here right now. You can do whatever you want." And then, yeah. but George was like, "I just can't do this anymore. I'm tired." So why did and, the liberals <laughs> stay in Hamilton so hard? I don't. I still don't understand it. I mean, like, I I roll my eyes. Honestly, I roll my eyes at it. But uh, I mean, let's just be honest. You 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 should know the reason why they stand it because it's a people a of color. You know, it's a it's a people of color version. Yeah. You know of history. It's and ironically liberals. No, but let me finish. Let me finish. Uh-huh. Let me finish. So uh-huh. liberals liberals make it, especially white liberals. They feel they feel empowered because. They feel like they're contributing to something that, you know, wouldn't have happened just 20 years ago. Yeah. So that's it makes them feel good. They have this sense of pride because they're like, oh, I'm helping Latino and black people. They're and, so fucking you know, it makes, so terrible. it makes me feel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're like, we, you know, but because, you know, <clears throat> we're we're better than them because, you know. We want them to have rights, but you know, if you know Amy Cooper, you know Amy Cooper is a good example of this. If mm-hmm. they if they bother me when I am uh, illegally letting my dog poop in Central Park, and this black bird watcher is um, looking at me and he he tells me that I can't have my dog off the leash, 
then I'm going to call the police on him. Right. And it, you know, it pisses me off because I'm a white woman and I can do whatever I want in this country, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. And, and she was a Democrat. Amy Cooper is a Democrat. Yes. She was a Democrat. Yep. And yes. it's like, that just, that just goes to show you and, and how, <clears throat> how terrifying it is for black people. Because right. it doesn't matter if a white person is a Democrat or a Republican or whatever, they can still turn on, especially white women in this sense. And I'm not gonna and I'm there this is not a way of saying anything bad about white women. Okay. This is just the sense of the power that white women can have in this country mm-hmm. is this kind of damsel in distress. You yes. know, and that just that kind of ties into Emmett Teal. Because yes. we 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 now know that Emmett Till never whistled at that woman. And you're taught that in school when you go and listen to when you learn about the Emmett Till story, you you uh, hear about him uh, playing some kind of compliment or making some kind of flirtatious yeah, indication to like, the white like, woman. Like, yeah, like cat calling her or whatever. Right, you doing know? something like that, and so it's subtly plants a seed like he did something that would merit that kind of response well like exactly it's i i think it's you need to have something to preserve the like you know the myth right like the myth that americans are like somehow you know not as terrible as you know the history books could portray them right like i think about the exactly like if you just objectively, like if aliens were watching the events play out of the 20th century, how the Cold War went down, it's not even close that we were by far the evil empire, right? Like all the horror stories that they, they put out there about, mm-hmm. you know, the Soviets are going to do this and they're going to take over and cancel the elections and murder the opposition is right. literally the stuff that we were doing like all you know, over the and- world. And Indonesia, one of the, Latin America, yes. Europe, obviously, like we had to fucking like we left the, you know, the political unit of the army in Italy to sort of like manage the Italian democracy and make sure it, it stayed as close to fascism as was possible, you know, as was beneficial to us. Like we killed union members and teachers all over, you know, the uh, global south just at will pretending that it was combating radical communism when really it was doing the same shit we continue to do now Mm -hmm. any kind of like not even social democratic just you know basic democratic leadership comes in who questions at all the authority of american capitalism to dictate terms for the world they are executed cooed done you know whatever horrible thing you can imagine just for the hint that they might want to do something a little bit more fair yeah. for their countrymen you know right. or and, even or mm-hmm. even excommunicated excommunicated as well right. yeah like all those different things yeah. right and you know that, that's kind of the um, the reason i think or the lasting implication from the cold war is uh, that the fact that we don't have a leftist party in the united states yeah. right exactly. i mean you demonize communism to a certain way you and then uh by association you demonize the entire spectrum of leftist politics and uh why they can call joe biden a socialist right and it it, it resonates with anybody at all because they've taught them that 
you know, if you're not a libertarian, you're a socialist, right? Like, yes. if you don't want to hunt the poor for sport, you're, you know, you're a socialist. Like, right. You know, anything left of like the purge is is communism. <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> well, I think uh, we're about at a time where we could go ahead and wrap up, and um, we want to go ahead and thank you for coming on, Savion, for sharing all your stories and uh, your perspectives on um, on everything we covered today. We went ahead and hit a uh, quite a bit of topics, didn't we? Yeah. Fuck yeah. It. I mean, hey, hey, we we Joe Rogan this, <laughs> um, right. but <laughs> but I will say, I will say, you know, I. I didn't take, you know, coming to the decision of running mm-hmm. for any office, you know, even for platform, you know, and right. I'm very fortunate to have been on the platform committee because, and I'll tell you this, which is very interesting. And the only reason why I won the platform committee uh, vote, because mm-hmm. it was extremely close with the person that I, that I had ran against. It was extremely, when I mean extremely close, like the only the when it came to my county where I live, we I think we tied. That's oh. how like that's what it was. And the wow. thing that allowed me to win was the fact that I was from a small town. I grew wow. up in a small town, and mm-hmm. all every single one of the small town people who voted, they all supported me. Wow. And hey. I and and see that's what I think is gonna allow me to win and beat Ted Cruz in twenty twenty four. That's because what I did, absolutely. Right? Not, not only someone's door, I'm going to vote for the guy who knocked on my door. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You want someone who's personable. But not exactly. only that, you got to remember, Ted Cruz isn't from Texas. He's no. not from here. Right. I am Texan born and raised. I am yes. from this state. I love it to the day I was born. And you know what? I love guns too, okay? And <laughs> yeah. I will, and I, I'll, I'll carry my AK with me or whatever I need to if that's going to convince you. But you need to end, and and it's unfortunate because I'm, in that sense as well. I'm also an NRA member, and I will say the only reason why I am an NRA member is because I am an instructor. I actually teach people how mm-hmm. to handle weapons, specifically pistols. And yes. unfortunately, <clears throat> the only reason, the only way that I can be an instructor in the state of Texas, and and you know, is either if I'm a peace officer, you know, or if I have a membership with the NRA. And well, I have an actual license with the NRA. And that's yep. the only reason why I am an NRA member is because mm. I want to be able to instruct and teach not only other black people, but all other minorities and white people as well that how to protect remarkable. themselves. I mean, that just goes to kind of show who they want to have the guns. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know, I mean, think about it. Think about the black pictures. Think about Fred Hampton. You yeah. know, if you look at Fred Hampton, Fred Hampton, uh, and you know, we we can we can talk, we can do a whole one hundred one hour and forty five minute uh, yeah. episode just on Fred Hampton and the Black Panthers alone. <laughs> you know, and like the only time the NRA ever supported gun control was in response the, to the the Black only Panthers. reason why exactly that's the only reason why they supported yeah. it. And well, you know, and and oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And so that's and and I will say that first and foremost. Yes, no. I I support I support having guns. Yes, I I support my small towns. I I believe that small towns are what probably are gonna 
help me win mm -hmm. the election in 2024 because I know how to talk to people. I know I, I know how to get them to understand me. Right. And I and this isn't going to be about me just running as a Democrat because I don't consider myself a Democrat. I consider myself rightly so. Yes, I've I voted Democrat all my life because my parents were Democrats. And that's kind of how it works usually mm -hmm. until you actually find, you know, you find your own sense in the world. Um, but anyways, just to finish my stick. Um, I, I care about small towns. That's the reason why I was elected on the platform committee, because those small counties within my district voted and supported me. And I was able to fortunately meet Anthony and a plethora of other amazingly talented people who helped build the most progressive platform in the state of Texas and probably out of any state in the in the U.S. and territories. And then also. um I like I said, I believe in the Second Amendment because I believe it's my right as an American to protect myself and my family and my home. And I also believe in I believe in Medicare for all. I believe in the Green New Deal. I believe that Gen Z, you know, I taught Gen Z students and I believe that Gen Z is the future because I've seen some amazingly talented kids who are the next political seats in this world and <laughs> so i want to i want to be an inspiration for those for those people you know for those kids and especially as an lgbtq person as well yes yep. i am lgbtq <laughs> as well and i want those i want people to know that you know what yes that's a label but still at the same sense this is a way for me to inspire other people because just like bernie inspired me to run and to finally say, you know what, this isn't fair, you know, for us. And it's time for me to get out there. It's not me, us. And that's what type of campaign that I want to run against Ted Cruz. Because right. we finally, this is the chance that we finally have where we can finally get that, that progressive against the Republican. And, right. of course, it's not going to be easy because you already know opposition's going to have somebody that I have to go up against. Of course they are, but of we're course. not going to have a we we don't want to have an Amy McGrath moment here. We oh, want to no, have don't. a Charles Booker moment. We want to yep. have a moment where a and and if it's it's already becoming historical right now. Look at Jamal Bowman. Jamal yes. Bowman, uh, he absolutely shocked the Democratic platform, or I mean the the Democratic establishment when he just completely obliterated Unjail, Elliot yep. Unjail, yep. and so. Yep. We we need to have that moment here. We need to be able to. I mean, look, we got four years. It's 2020. I got four years. Exactly right. We need a couple of thousand. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah. Jamal Bowman is the precedence that 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 he has now set that precedence. That and, and not only just him. There were a lot of other black progressives, uh, black male progressives who did a really good job. No. Um, they were throughout, especially time. throughout New York. And so. I mean, we need to I, I want to be able to, I want to, yeah, we do, we do. We absolutely need more black progressives. And so mm -hmm. that's what I want to do. We need that moment where we have a Charles Booker versus Mitch McConnell, because you know what? Ed Cruz, I'm coming for you, buddy. <laughs> this is going to be so fucking gnarly. I can't wait. Yeah, uh, go kick his I mean, ass, well, hopefully, bro. Uh, I mean, you know, in my dream scenario, Ted Cruz has been, uh, you know, <laughs> parodied with the, uh, 
the parody teen at some point between now and then, but <laughs> you know, in case he's still around, we don't yeah. parody him yet. <laughs> All right, everybody. Yeah. Well, where can we find you on Twitter, Savion? All right, so you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. My Facebook is, and actually it's funny because, like I said, I was on American Idol, and in my past life, I was an artist, and you know, J Lo and all these other cool artists like John Legend followed me on Twitter. I mean, um, didn't even ask you about that. But, <laughs> but oh, well. yeah, we'll talk about it. Like, we'll talk about yeah, it next, next time. time. All yeah, right. but um, you can find me on Facebook at Savion Music on Facebook, and then you can also find me on Twitter at Savion Wright J. Okay, so Savion, and my name is spelled S A V as in Victor, like I always tell people, I O N. So Savion Wright J. And uh, I'm on, of course, I'm on TikTok and I'm on all kinds of other platforms. I'm about to start doing some some political TikToks so I can start right. garnering some, some Gen Z support. Awesome. Um, yeah, but I, like I said, I'm serious about this. And if anyone who's listening to this wants to help out, please contact me through Twitter or Facebook and let me know because like I said, this is gonna be a people power campaign. I am not going to take any money from corporations. This is going to be a completely people-powered campaign, just like my man Bernie. I'm going to leave tomorrow. Really? It's an unimpeachable summer dream To fall in love with the ice machine In the corner of the pub across the street And working spent if working does But nowadays it's them or us Which means that someone has to They stripped it down and they left a hole Then they filled it up with anger from the street